Welcome back to Don't Call It a Book Club. My name is Luke. My name is Daniel. This episode, we're doing the second section of Warbreaker. I believe we've read up to chapter 38. So we'll be talking about that for most of the episode. First, it's it's my turn to, to give us a little warm-up section. So this is not about fantasy novels. This is... Okay, how am I going to phrase this? Dan, this is why we need feminism. Okay? <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, I'm here for it, but... Okay, yeah. Explain. And this is... This is not the main reason <laughs> this is a very insignificant reason all right well let's let's continue our podcast with two 20 something white guys talking about why we need feminism hit us with it okay. Luke. so you know how there's this thing where women have a ton of uh like products in the bathroom tons of different hair products that's a big thing and guys always make fun of it and they're like oh that's stupid you don't need that much stuff like all i have is my toothbrush and toothpaste and a bar of soap and anything more is girly and that's you shouldn't do that yeah i've I've heard that i've heard that let me tell you why that's stupid dan (laughs) i have recently started using my girlfriend's uh conditioner yep lotion I tried a little I tried a little hair mask the other day. A hair mask? I've never even heard of that. It's basically really intense conditioner. Okay. Fantastic. Okay. <laughs> My hair is so pretty right now. <laughs> they could like you're so what you're telling me is you've applied these magic chemicals to your head and now somebody could shave your head and make a cashmere sweater out of it. Probably. Yeah. And I just Everyone should be using these. You go you go into the into the store and there's tons of uh, products in the women's aisles that are great. Oh, for and then sure. there's men's aisle. There's like seven thousand deodorants and a bunch of different body washes that are like six and one. <laughs> it's like no, don't give me this. And then no one wants to use. No guy wants to use the yeah. the really cool conditioner because like being a woman is stupid right no right right i mean well but think about it luke if you've got your six in one you've got your shampoo you've got your conditioner (laughs) you've got your body wash you've got your mouthwash you've got it all (laughs) it doesn't work doesn't work this way dan everyone listeners next time you're at uh target i don't know go go into the other aisles Pick you up the nicest looking conditioner. Get some get some lotion. Well, I mean, yeah, there's a secret, Luke. Do you want to know what the secret is about all these products? What's, what's that? So they market these products as being for men or for women. But, right, yeah. But the secret that I've I've learned in my studies is that it doesn't matter. Is that it doesn't <laughs> matter at all. And y- you could buy a product that says it's for women, even if you're a man. Are you are you telling me my hair doesn't fundamentally work differently than a female's hair? Yeah. Wild. I know. I know. I know. I've done some research on this, Luke. Uh, so that's the truth. I'm a scientist. Yeah. 
Here's the, here's the other, okay. Here's the other reason why I think this is crazy though. And why I think it's, it's, I mean, obviously it's insane and a pretty big double standard, but here's why it's a double standard. I've seen those guys at the gym that take pre-workout, that take post-workout, that have special chalk for their hands, that wear the belt when they do squats. And like, they do those things because they want to like do better at the gym, right? They have all these accessories. You don't like need those things, but they can make your gym experience sometimes better. Right. You're not going to criticize those people for having that stuff because they want to have a better time at the gym. But you're going to criticize probably your girlfriend because let's be honest, who, what other girl are you seeing all of their like bathroom things? You're going <laughs> to criticize your girlfriend for having shampoo and conditioner that makes her hair smell like a, like a field in the middle of an English spring. No, no, you're no, not. you don't know. That sounds awesome. I would love to smell great all the time. Yeah. This is okay. This is my point. Well, like, just I don't know. Use all that stuff. Make make your skin glow. You know, you'll feel great. You'll feel great. You'll look great. You'll be great. Well, maybe. Exactly. I mean, one way to just be great is to just stop stop criticizing your girlfriend for having, you know, having those things. You don't have to use them if you don't want. But like, there's a reason why she has them. <laughs> yeah like that's that's kind of the main point <laughs> but also use them you know yeah <laughs> go go into your girlfriend's bathroom right now steal all of her conditioner hide it somewhere so she can't use it and you can have the rest of it to yourself it's valuable this is the message it's extremely valuable which actually luke that might be the counter to all of this is like that stuff's kind of pricey i mean yes I, yeah. Now I'm not saying counter to like criticizing like obviously if your girlfriend has the money to pay for these things, that's what she wants to spend money on. Or boyfriend, whoever you have in your life that is just looking so fine all the time with all these products. That's not a problem. Unless they're like going into debt to do it. And then it's like, all right, well <laughs> maybe don't do that. <laughs> yeah, okay, good point. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page with this. <laughs> I mean, this is kind of related to Warbreaker, Luke. So I think this is a great transition. Okay, yeah. Get, give me the give me the transition because I I don't see it yet. Well, so the equivalent double standard here is Vivina and Siri, where Vivina is <laughs> like, "Come on, we use soap up in Idris. We dress very plainly, and look, we're fine." And Siri's like, "Yeah, you look like trash, dog. Look at me." <laughs> Right, the Siri looks fantastic. Siri's like she's got her hair looking good. She's got a great dress on. She's feeling confident. The and there's nothing wrong with that. The literal god but, of this nation has said she looks beautiful. And then, and then, uh, Vivina is over here, just just putting people down all the time. And, and you know what? Look how Vivina ended up. Now she's wearing a rug, so, and she's covered in dirt. <laughs> okay yeah okay so like i said earlier we've read up to chapter 38 so anything before that is fan ga fair game <laughs> dan is talking about where we ended which is vivina in a bad situation 
Vivina has essentially just gotten the biggest karma check possible. Vivina has just, yeah. karma's just been like, yeah, guess what? You're not better than anybody. Yeah. I have a feeling that this episode is going to be a roasting Vivina episode. Maybe. Because that's a lot of, that's a lot of what my notes are about. And you know what? That's okay. We had, when we did King Killer, we had a roasting quote episode. So. Well, yeah, we, we tend to roast a lot of characters. We roasted Arik from the last book from uh, Aiken God. Aiken God. So <laughs> fortunately though, Luke, I actually don't have anything about Vivina. So we'll have some good balance. Okay. Okay. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take us off of Vivina first okay. to, to get us kind of kicked off. So we we've talked about a lot about the gods at the last episode. And in this episode, I want to start us off with a discussion about this game that the gods play. This little this little bocce ball game. Um my first thought was that this sounds like tons of fun. Okay. And so I don't know if you've played bocce ball. It's okay. This sounds like a much more complicated version of bocce ball. Right. Bocce ball is just where you roll balls trying to get it closer to the goal ball. Yeah. I didn't ex- explain that well, but anyway, this game is a lot more complicated than that, but I love bocce ball. So anything that improves upon bocce ball fantastic to me and this game is actually kind of kind of a sport because it requires enough athleticism to throw and also a little bit of strategy apparently i'm not sure about that part yet well yeah because light song (laughs) destroys them without knowing the rules and then this is the point where i was kind of like brandon I don't know if you've played a game before because there's a segment there where he throws... Okay, so you have to choose which ball, right? Different balls that you throw have different effects. We don't know what they are yet. And then where that lands depends, I get or gives you X amount of points. Yes. And he picks up some ball and throws it and gets like 500 points. And then one of the other gods is says, wow, I would have never have thought to use that ball there. What? <laughs> do you not do you not know the rules too? I I mean, okay, there's no there's no explanation of the rules, so I don't know the rules. Right. But how, what in what game that's a long game where you take turns, am I like, oh wow, what a what a crazy idea that got you six hundred points, which seems like a lot. The only the only way I can think of this being feasible is if the game is that complicated that you couldn't just look at the field and then look at the available balls and say, okay, if he threw that one, what would happen? Right? That's the only way. Like and and I, I think that the game is this complicated because nobody seems to really know how it works like this this seems like the painting thing to me this seems like something that the priests have invented to occupy the gods and keep them distracted and the priests are just like constantly coming up with new bullshit rules 
And so the gods will be distracted by it and not doing, I don't know, other things. I don't know. I don't know what it is at this point, but like other stuff. <laughs> so like maybe, maybe the gods are just making, or sorry, the priests are just making up how many points. Yeah. Oh yeah. Gets. Entirely. Cause they're the ones keeping score. And the, <laughs> and the priests think it's hilarious when light song wins every time. <laughs> it's a little it's a little calvin ball situation exactly calvin and Hobbes. yeah it's exactly calvin ball and and not even not even light songs priests are the ones who are scoring it but just all the priests are in on the fact that it's hilarious when light song wins every time when he obviously doesn't care (laughs) i think you know what i okay i think that might be it and obviously they come up with a justification for why they get certain points, but it's all just gobbledygook. It's all just <laughs> garbage. <laughs> Fair enough. It's not really, it's, so it's not really a sport. It's just. It's a distraction. It's yeah, a distraction. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which <laughs> brings me to a small thing about Light Song. When Siri is meeting with him, I think the second time, he's sipping on a beverage as he always is and at first he's drinking wine but then he drinks a blue beverage that's got that's like kind of icy and so he was just drinking like a slurpee right he just found a slurpee and was just chowing down on that right like a blue raspberry 7-eleven slurpee yeah yeah for sure cool and so that's like their highest form of drink (laughs) it's good to know where we stand in relation to their universe well okay so they they don't have to worry about the health effects Uh uh-huh whereas we do right so our trash drinks aren't necessarily the same thing because we don't like slurpees because it's like i don't want to drink 90 grams of sugar right now i mean speak for yourself (laughs) fair enough but Light songs over here, like give me, give it to me, you know. Light song. If there was a Starbucks, Light songs hitting that Starbucks up all the time, right? You, you think Light songs getting that unicorn drink that they had for a while that was just yeah, just cotton candy that they had mashed up. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Yeah, because the just just the fact that they don't have to worry about health aspects has got to change everything i mean well then okay all right all right yes luke i think you're right on with this but i think brandon missed a great opportunity here because the food that brandon has them eating all the time is pretty healthy they're eating oh, yeah fruit. it's like fruit they're eating man. scallops they're eating like good stuff where do you go when you don't care the health consequences of food but you just want something that's going to taste good it happens um, once a year and it's usually a very big event. You go to the fair, the state fair, Luke. He... Luke, they should be eating funnel cakes. I freaking knew you were gonna. I had... I don't like funnel cakes. Oh my god, are you kidding me? But okay, here's the thing though. I think I don't like funnel cakes because they're too. They're so fried and everything that I feel horrible when I eat it. So. This leads me to my next question. Uh, if I don't worry about the health effects, do things that taste like too unhealthy to me 
all of a sudden taste good? Ooh, I don't know. Like, am I just deep? Am I deep frying donuts at this point? You've got to be right. You've got to be deep fry everything at this point. Yeah. Right. Everything. I mean, okay. So, so when you're, when you're cooking up a meal, let's say you want to, you want to make a fancy meal. You want to have, you want to have some, some hearty sections of the meal and then, or, or some, a really rich section of the meal and then something off to balance it. That's really fresh because you eat something fresh and it tastes, it, it makes you feel a little, a little cleaner. Right. Yes. Yes. Does that go away? Like if, oh. if, if I go on, if I'm watching Chopped <laughs> again, yeah, <laughs> great. If I'm watching Chopped and the judges are the returned, do you not, do you not even worry about the fresh like you bouncing with freshness? You're saying you don't need a palate cleanser because they don't have that kind of a feeling they don't get that feeling inside of them that's like heaviness from eating just eight pounds of funnel cake that they need to cleanse with like a mint salad or something right right oh i don't know i think okay i'm gonna say the returned don't have that experience because that feeling comes like inside you that feeling is like to me it's in my stomach because it's in there okay yeah because the returned essentially can't have stomach aches or anything like that exactly and so to me that re- that like fresh feeling is the like soothing of my stomach being like this is not okay i'm not all right with any of this get this <laughs> out of here please and and because i mean because they can't get drunk either so i'm i'm guessing the effects are only sensory in their like tongue region i think it's just okay. mouthfeel that they're working on okay and so if it's just mouthfeel Give me deep fried alligator on a stick, please. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Great texture. <laughs> so, yeah, essentially the food of this world for the returned becomes convenience store carnival food because they don't right. have to worry about any of the consequences. They're eating Doritos 24-7. Give me, give me a chili dog, some Mountain Dew. Um, I don't know. Mac and cheese, some craft mac, mac and, and cheese. cheese, some cheese curds. Give me some cheese curds. Oh, man. Oof. <laughs> Lovely. Lovely for the returned. <laughs> so I don't have notes on this, but I want to acknowledge it since I don't think we really did last episode. Yeah. So we ended last episode with the realization that the God King does not have a tongue. Yeah. And is essentially being kept prisoner by his priests. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. I don't, I don't, so I don't have notes on this, but it's too big of a thing. What were, were you surprised by the realization that the God King has like no power? Uh, somewhat. I mean, I don't want to act like I saw this twist coming, but I knew that there was something up because the God King never spoke. Mm hmm. And didn't seem like they had, they did anything really. They definitely seemed like a figurehead because it, it seemed like nothing. They changed nothing. So I, I didn't see the not having a tongue, but there was definitely something wrong with the God Mm -hmm. King. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was, so this was too, this was too specific to be telegraphed. Right. But I think it was a little telegraphed that something fishy was going on. Yeah. Um, now tell me about, 
so, okay, so just for the listeners, I've read the book already. So yeah, I knew what was happening. Yeah. Dan, tell me if you were surprised by the mercenaries okay being the bad guys yeah i'm gonna give my on it like i'm not gonna say this because i'm trying to seem brilliant or like right. i'm we've, trying to we've seem... heard your theories we we know <laughs> my theories are bad but i knew something was up when they got to the very first safe house that they went to and denth i think is the head mercenary denth told vivina not to go in the basement and he seemed a little bit too adamant about mm-hmm. her not going in the basement and because there were a couple times when she thought to go down there and he was like, no, 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 definitely don't go down there. And that was the first kind of point where they tipped me off that like, she shouldn't really be trusting these people. She doesn't really know them that well. Now, I definitely had that moment and that thought kind of sat in the back of my head, but it, there weren't a lot of opportunities where it came up as the, oh, okay, yeah, this is another piece of, like I wasn't putting the pieces together over time there were just little hints that they were not nearly as good as we thought i also was suspicious of what was happening to all that guy's pets to be fair i was a little bit <laughs> yeah there's no way he gets that many pet he loses that many pets <laughs> turns out he's a psycho <laughs> yeah yeah so it's that part is i was i was reading through again for the second time and kind of looking for tidbits that would tip tip a reader off. Mm-hmm. And there really weren't very many. Um, there's kind of just, when you when you read their dialogue back after knowing it, it's, it's kind of like, ooh, this is a little sinister. Right. Like every time, and Vivina goes through that process as well, which I think is really cool that you see her go through this realization that all these things that they were saying they joked about, but it was real. I think that was pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. The, I do think there's, there's a slight, I don't know if it's obvious, but I do think the reader probably feels a slight suspicion. Maybe like it just, I I think it's pretty clear that they, it just doesn't feel right. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I mean, I, I, again, I'm reading this for the second time. So you tell me if this is right, but um that you can't like say you know they said this so they're probably lying to her but if they just something about them feels off i think yeah no for sure like i think i think this is a sign of how excellently it was written and we're gonna do reviews when we finish the book but i agree i had this gut feeling it wasn't necessarily that they were bad more the sense that why is she trusting them so much? Why she shouldn't be trusting them this much? She doesn't really know them. There's, you know, this is dangerous. It wasn't that these are bad people. It was just that what are their motivations? Why are they doing any of this? And why is she trusting them this much? This seems, yeah, dangerous. But I didn't yeah. have a thing to hang that on. I didn't have a, this is why. Right. And there's there's one moment that I think Vivina says after they've done a bunch of little raids or missions or whatever they're doing. And she says, basically, she doesn't know what she's doing there. Basically, all of these things were things that Denth set up and she's just along for the ride. And the, I think there's a part where they meet with 
one, I don't know if it's a slumlord, but some kind of underground guy that he's just there to see if Favina is the princess. And he thinks that Dinth has her as basically a puppet, which he does. Yeah. But you don't, you don't really know that at the point. But I think that point is one where I kind of thought, uh, there's, this is this is kind of true. Dinth definitely seems to be having some ulterior mo- motives here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the whole time they were doing all this, I was trying to figure out what his motivations were, because he ke- and he kept saying he's a mercenary and he's just doing it for money, but you know he's not. Right. I think I think it's pretty it's pretty clear that he's not just a mercenary. Exactly. And so the whole time that this is going on, and even still, I'm trying to figure out. What is he doing? What is his goal? Be- yeah. Because it's it's definitely more than just making money. So, okay. You mentioned the God King not having a tongue. And I think, now I don't know how the mechanics of this work, and this is going to be pretty freaking stupid. They act like you don't have a tongue, and so you can't make any sound. Mm-hmm. But I could definitely make sound without a tongue, right? Like, I think I can do it right now. I'm going to try it. Ha! <laughs> great, great podcasting. Ha-ha! <laughs> yeah, you can make sounds. So if I can make sounds, I can indicate, yeah, like, kind of a yes or no, right? Yeah. Or at least I could draw attention to myself. Yeah, you definitely could do that. I could draw big attention to myself by just giving out a really big ha. Huh. Okay, you you can you can scream without a tongue. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, this is my point. This is all I need. The God King is having a discussion with Siri about how if he tries to speak up and say, well, speak up is a bad choice of words, I guess. But if he tries <laughs> to get attention and have other people help him out, his priests will just take him away and they won't know what's going on. But but if he just starts screaming as they're taking him away, I think the other gods would probably notice. Mm-hmm. And but but he and Siri don't really come to this realization that yeah. he could just yell really loud. And that get a bunch of attention at him and like signal for people to help him. My, I'm wondering if, if they search him or anything, but so, okay. For example, he goes to these, some of these debates, I guess we'll call them. Mm -hmm. Let's say he writes out a note in big letters. It says, I don't know, help me something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. He's up, he's up in this in his viewing box, lets out a little no-tongue scream, and holds up this sign. Yeah. <laughs> it's like he's at a sporting event and he's made a sign like go team, but this is help me. <laughs> yeah. I I think that would work. Um they might they might search him or just be able to find out well the other thing is he still doesn't really believe that they're trying to hurt him or or just mean him ill yeah that's that's true but in this hypothetical scenario that they created 
I think that they just weren't being very imaginative in how they could figure out how to get help. They were not being very creative. Well, okay, here's the thing. I think they're being too creative. Oh, okay. They're over they're overlooking just the simple stuff. Oh, all right. Solve this Luke, solve this problem. Go scream. <laughs> See? I th- I think I think they're trying to do some cool underhanded way to trick everybody and get attention where they could just go out and scream at one of these pavilions and and that would work. <laughs> yeah, okay. I think that's fair. I mean, the other point is just that they're neither of them have done anything like this before and series like I don't know, 18 or something and the god I mean the god king's super old but he's essentially a child. Right. So that might factor into it. Mhm. Mhm. But so I don't think Oh, okay, okay, okay. Here we go. I'm not I don't want to get into Vivina yet. <laughs> Let's talk about Light Song a little bit. Yeah, okay. I I go back and forth on sometimes I think that Light Song's jokes are really funny and witty and that kind of thing. Yeah. And then sometimes I'm just like this is you can't be doing this all the time it's annoying sometimes i just i okay the point is just sometimes his jokes get pretty old and if i'm if i'm his head priest you got to be so sick of it <laughs> i mean yes 100% i think he is funny in small doses like if you were another god that just had to interact with him for a little bit. I don't know why all these gods are kind of pissed off about him. He seems like a fun guy to hang around with for a little while. Yeah. Okay. See, I, oh, I would agree with that. Yeah. But to spend all day with him sounds exhausting, <laughs> especially when you want something from him and he just refuses to help you in any way and jokes about it the whole time. I would get so pissed. This is the guy. This is the guy that you're not ever best friends with, but you always invite to the party because he's super fun. Yeah, it's fun. like, it's like. So, this party, I'm a little worried because, you know, the people there don't really know each other. Some of them are shy. Let's bring Light Song into it, and he'll he'll create some chaos, and everybody will have a good time. He's got that great I think irreverent humor. Everybody can just loosen up a little bit. They're gonna love it. Yeah, I think I think that's a great role for Light Song. But yeah, I wouldn't want to be best friends with him. Um, and it, yeah, okay, I think you're right. I don't know why the the gods don't like him more. He's not intimidate. Like they seem like they all have schemes and they're trying to do their thing. He, he does not seem like he has anything going on. So everybody should be super cool with him. Well, and here's the other thing. The gods don't have anything to do. No. <laughs> yeah, I'd be inviting him to all of my little my little bocce ball games. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, we need to stay with the gods for a little while longer. Okay. They have 40,000 lifeless that they have at their command to go to war. Are you telling me that these lifeless are just sitting somewhere waiting for an order to go to war? 
I think that's the general consensus of, yeah. What a freaking waste. Are you kidding me? These things never need to eat and they could be ready at basically a moment's notice. And you have them sitting in the middle of like a big building waiting to go out and kill people. Put oh, This is a good point. Put these lifeless to work. Put them on the streets. Yeah. Just like clean it up. Make the city look beautiful. Oh, yeah. You could, okay, at the very, 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 very least, if I am Lightsong and I'm bored, I'm going to have, I'm going to make a new sport. And this sport is lifeless football. And <laughs> I'm going to have, I'm going to create teams and these lifeless are just going to go at it. Because, I mean, these lifeless aren't getting CTE or anything like that. Come right. on. They, I mean, and okay, here's the other thing. People play Madden NFL 18 all the time. This is the same thing. You're controlling the guys, you know? This is perfect. Yes, this is exactly. You call the plays. Great idea, Dan. You've got 10,000. Only each god has 10,000. Each of the gods of the commands. Each have, of the four, yeah. Have 10,000 lifeless that they can tell to do whatever they want. Guys. That you could do, okay, you could do so many productive things, clean up the city, uh, work the fields, whatever. Oh, hold on. We need to talk about that for a second. They have like slaves, like indentured slaves working the fields right now <laughs> that are causing like an uprising. <laughs> Get your 40,000 lifeless to do that. <laughs> you know what it is, Dan? So... <laughs> I think that there's probably a lot of priests at these debates that are like, you know, I've gone, I've gone out among the populace and I know we had that idea of putting the lifeless to work more. But every time I say that to people, they just say, they took our jobs. <laughs> yeah, you know what? That's totally fair. Totally reasonable. Um yeah. I mean, I think I think a better comparison would be to just have them drive around all the taxis and carriages that we have in this city. And nobody seems to care about that, you know, taking all of our jobs. But um, anyway, what were we talking about again? <laughs> OK, but you could you could just do you could do chaos with these guys, you know, make crazy, uh, just like crazy dance routines <laughs> the <You know>? most <laughs> incredible dance routines are you think about a human pyramid that is ten thousand people tall oh you're joking me this doable. sounds incredible doable totally doable also these guys don't have to eat so mm -hmm. think about how dope your performance art piece is if you have these guys just out there 24 7 oh man yeah and a great, a beautiful mural of, of painted lifeless. That? You know, a little body paint? Oh my gosh. And it, oh, this is, the options are basically limitless, Luke. You also- Right, because they can do anything. You, let's imagine uh, I want to create a super totalitarian surveillance state. Okay, I have a lifeless at every corner watching out for certain behaviors. And if they see them, they- run after that person no more crime sure everybody's kind of pissed off but no more crime 
Yeah. I just, this is such a wasted opportunity that they have these guys just sitting in a warehouse somewhere that you know they're bored as hell, but they're just sitting there waiting. And they're probably getting moldy. Oh, you don't want a moldy lifeless. You really don't. Okay, that's a good point. And I think, so we've, I think we've brought that up in a lot of other book discussions where the magic is always used for war or something and never something practical. Yeah. I think this is a pretty good example of that. Uh, one thing I want to ask you about is what are your thoughts on the little, the little magic system we've got going on here? How the breath works? Yeah. The, well, okay. So I think how the breath works is interesting, Mm -hmm. but I think it's dope how it's, it draws how it works with color basically yes yes i think it is i like the kind of conservation of energy idea that's present in it right the idea that you can send your breath out to do something and then bring it back but if you want to awaken like a person then it has to go and kind of become that thing's soul so you can't get it back i like that I don't, I mean, the mechanic of taking color is cool and it has a lot of cool consequences for like, you can see where somebody has done magic, but I don't know how much I like it in terms of the mechanics yet. We don't really know a whole lot about how it works, I guess, but it's kind of a cool like flavor, I guess. Well, yeah. So it doesn't seem quite as useful as a lot of other magic systems that I've read about in other books. As in, you can bring these things back to life, but they can't do anything except for lifeless. Or sorry, I phrased that wrong. You can you can you can basically reanimate things, like mm-hmm. my shirt or something like that. Yeah. But I think that has limited uses. Mm-hmm. I mean, we see we see Vasher do some cool stuff with it he you know reinforces his pants so that he can jump 40 feet and not get hurt yeah Uh, he uses his tassels i think to help him climb so there are cool things you can do with him um you just have to be really creative with it yeah he becomes like (laughs) spider-man yeah which so uh, we need to we need to pause and say that's pretty dope (laughs) true but that's true um, but it's, it's not the kind of direct magic that I, that we often see, you know, like someone hurls a fireball. It's not like the Aeons. If we're going to look at another Brandon Sanderson work, it's not like the Aeons in Elantris. Right? right. Where they draw a symbol and it does something amazing. Exactly. But I, I mean, it, I think it is similar to Emperor's Soul with the stamping in the sense okay. that the stamping wasn't you know, super hyper powerful, but you could manipulate things in a pretty cool way. I think it was in that same flavor. It's in that same okay. flavor as the stamping. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fair. Um, uh, well, okay. we're, hold on. Cause we're talking about the lifeless. So okay. I want to, I want, I have a theory, Luke. Okay. And this, I guess this is going to be a Dan prediction. Okay. So when I'm right, all you listeners out there, I guess, sorry for spoiling this ahead of time, but I think the gods are lifeless. I don't think that there is such a thing as returned. I think that they're lifeless 
who have been given a bunch of breaths. Okay. Okay. Here's why I think this. And I think in this section, we've gotten all the clues I need to definitively make this make this statement. Okay. So we learned that the lifeless only require one breath to exist. You have to give them one breath and then you don't get that back. But we don't exactly know what happens when you give them more breath, right? We don't know. You can imdue your breath into other things. Like we saw Vivina imdue her breath into a rug. And now that rug has all her breath. And she can probably take that breath out again if she wants to. But we don't know what that rug is now experiencing of the world now that that rug has all the breath. Okay, here's so here's why I think that the gods are lifeless. When Vivina is having her fight with all the lifeless in the slums, after it, Jewel tells her that the lifeless retain some part of themselves from the past life that they had. And so you want to get a really great lifeless or a really great dead body so you can make it a great lifeless. At the same time, we're learning about how Light Song is trying to remember his past, but he still has all these skills that he had back when he was alive. Okay, that's the first, that's the first link that I'm going to draw. The second link is we learned, I think it was this chapter we learned that you attain immortality when you reach the fifth awakening. Fifth heightening? Fifth, yeah, I keep saying awakening. When, when you reach the fifth heightening. And so that doesn't say anything about being returned to attain immortality. That just says you have a lot of breaths. And these returned are getting breaths every day. And we don't know how they got all their breaths to begin with. We don't know anything about how a returned happens. We've yet to see a returned come about. Okay. The other thing, hang on, I got to look at my notes here. Okay. Um, oh, I think this also, so this also leads me to see a potential solution for the priests. So I think... Suzebron is a lifeless that is commanded by the priests that he claims to have serving him. And I think this is true partly because he doesn't seem to want to go against them ever. He seems pretty obedient to them. And it seems like there's a way for him to transfer his breaths without him saying, I give you my breaths because the priests cut out his tongue. So I think the breaths were given to him by one of the priests and they're going to pass the breaths on. They're going to call their breaths back when they're ready to put them into a new, like Suzebron is the vessel. It's not, it's not Siri. Suzebron is the vessel for all these breaths. He's like a bank. Okay. Let me, I don't, okay. I don't know if this is going to rebut that completely oh we should we should say hold on you've read the book right right so i'm not gonna make judgments or anything like that i'm gonna i'm gonna i'll point out evidence that we've already come yes upon so we do know that when you create lifeless you don't get that breath back the first breath okay okay yes this is is where i was thinking maybe 
that could be true. Yes. So I think you don't get the first breath back, but I think if you like load them up like a mule going down a mountainside, I think you can pull off the top, pull off the stuff off the top. And I mean, people are giving their breaths to this person. If I'm trying to attain a bunch of power, if I'm one of the head priests and I'm trying to get power, what better way than to have a God who people will give their breaths to and feel honored that they've given their breaths to. And then I can just make a withdrawal of the God bank whenever I want. (laughs) Last, this is my last point about this. The gods are extremely pampered. They're treated, Mm -hmm. some would say very decadently, but I would say as if they're very fragile. We have yet to see a god get injured. And as we saw from the lifeless from Jewel, Claude, the injuries they don't really recover from very well. And so there are no contact sports. Gods don't even open their own doors. And they are constantly attended by a bunch of servants ready to put a chair down for them or just make sure that they're extremely comfortable. And, I mean, we've yet to see if a god bleeds this alcohol stuff, this this weird, clear liquid. Okay. So, that's my prediction. There's the evidence. I'll leave it out there in the world. Okay. I, I I don't want to spend too much time critiquing um, things that I want to point out. They're all like seven feet tall and really hot. <laughs> okay, good. Good point. Yeah. But I mean, you could say maybe these guys, they just found, you know, this is why they're so rare that occasionally people like this are born. Maybe. I okay, I'll rebut that by saying I we don't need to keep going back and forth, but my response is just gonna be that maybe when you give something this many breaths, it takes okay. on this this kind of air, right? Maybe at the levels that they've of breath that they've given to these lifeless. For for lifeless specifically. Exactly. Okay. Sure. One thing that isn't really a rebuttal, but I just want to bring up that's interesting is that I think Light Song makes this realization that uh, returned in the past haven't all been big muscular guys or, or um, well, and then they've been in the past like kind of fat. And because that was the ideal back then, I, I, I think that's an interesting thing to say that the, the returned are almost have this this part of them that's like changing by society's standards, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so there's there's some kind of like, I don't know, cognitive aspect of them that's affected by people's thoughts on what gods should be. Yeah. Um, to your point, maybe people are just picking the lifeless that are hot and that's how it was back then. Um, <laughs> exactly. Okay, sure, sure. I, this is, wow. I, I'm, I don't know how we always talk about stuff for so long because I didn't think this was going to be a long episode. But, okay, yeah. Okay, let's get to Vivenna. Okay. I wrote, I wrote this down and I think that this is about to happen. 
and I wrote down that, man, Vivenna needs some character arc or character development to happen soon because she is just not very, I guess, I don't want to say she's not a good person, but she's very, I think she's just, she's a very sheltered person, basically. Mm -hmm. And it comes out in a very annoying way. But we got to this point at the end of this section where she's now like homeless and a drab and super dirty and doesn't have anything to go. I think I'm guessing that this is going to become, she's going to have this great experience and become like cool or something, but gosh, she frustrates me (laughs) how she's, and this is obviously part of the book. She's supposed to be this way yeah. where she's super judgmental about everything. Um, And Siri talks about this a couple times and she gets she gets kind of she gets kind of owned by a couple people every now and then, which is really satisfying. Um, well, but she doesn't like, seem I've, to grow from it. Like Jewel right. owns her about her religion, and Vivina goes back and basically says, "Like I I wish I could convince her she was wrong, but she's just too blind to see it." And you're like, "Oh, Vivina, you're an idiot." Right. Exactly. This is a time where Jewel owns her, and I'm like, "Yes, Jewel." And then. I don't know. It was really satisfying. And then Vivina goes back and just is an asshole again. She learned God nothing. She learned nothing from yeah. that interaction. The same thing happens with, uh, I forget the guy's name, the guy that she came down with who dies at the end of this section. He owns her too. Nothing happens. Um, but I think that'll change. Yeah. One thing that was very, <laughs> was very like a, a very salient point on this or a, a great example of this that I wrote down was she's talking about how horrible it is that they have restaurants there. And she says something along the lines of, don't these people have servants or wives to cook for them? <laughs> what an ass. Seriously. Can you imagine? <laughs> oh. Uh, at that point, I'm, I would just, if I was Denth, I'd be like, it's not fucking worth it. <laughs> yeah. Like, they have to have servants. Or, God damn it, Vivina. Vivina, you don't get how any of this works. Yeah. Yeah. And she keeps, uh, so she hates Halindrin and sees Halindrin as the thing that's destroying all of these people and a horrible place. But she keeps getting evidence of them being screwed over by Idris, basically, where I think she goes and talks to them, and they're like, "Why would I leave? I make way more money here than I did at Idris." And obviously, they they don't like Helenjin because they're in the slums and stuff, but their life is better. Yeah, she's like, "God, I can't believe Helenjin ruined these people." <sighs> yeah, Vivina really needs to have a moment of clarity. She needs to have a oh, I'm a dipshit moment. Yeah. Which, yeah. I mean, I I was kind of interested to see before we had this big shakeup where she's now on the run from two different groups, which honestly, I'm kind of the fact that was it Nightblade is the name of the sword? Nightblood. Nightblood, which is even worse. That automatically <laughs> predispenses you to think that it's evil, which like mm-hmm. I'm kind of on the side of like, I think this guy's not that bad. I think this guy... Vasher, you mean? I think Vasher and Nightblood are not 
necessarily that bad because they haven't been vasher didn't kill anyone when he went into that temple maybe maybe he killed someone but it seems like he's trying to not kill people and so i thought vivina was gonna so back to vivina i thought vivina was gonna have an interesting character arc where she just hates halendrin and because she's starting to develop this hatred for the place and i thought that was going to develop to where she was going to become the villain and where she like she was going to cause this war to happen between idris and tetelir because of her hatred and she was gonna bring it about like this wasn't gonna happen but she was gonna cause the war because of her hatred and i was pretty interested to see where that was gonna go i don't think that's what's gonna happen now because she's not really in a position to do anything. Right. But I was kind of like starting to see her arc in a in a way that she was definitely becoming the villain because there was mm-hmm. no other way for her to go. Like this is a little origin story? Yeah, exactly. Sure, sure. I could see that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I, I think that she will get get some kind of moment or clarity in these next couple chapters yeah and hopefully we'll start liking her again yeah i'm definitely rooting for a redemption arc because i think she's got the potential you know she's mm-hmm. got a good she has good intentions she's just pretty pretentious um speaking of idris though i wish we just got one little half chapter about the king of idris's perspective after like four months and he's just like damn where are my kids <laughs> damn i really wish i had my kids back oh i keep yeah. sending people to get my kids and nobody's coming back <laughs> it's kind of wild how i mean so we get this part at the end of this section where he's been sending people but Denth keeps killing them all yeah i'm surprised he hasn't accelerated his efforts a little bit yeah like, I'm picturing Harry Potter 1, you know? Dumbledore sends one letter. Doesn't work out. Dumbledore sends, like, five letters. Doesn't work out. And then there's thousands of letters that come after that. I This is, this is what I'm expecting. I know? don't know, though, Luke. That, to me, seems like, oh, there's an army coming from Idris. <laughs> Better start the war now. Okay. Here's what yeah, here's fair. what I am frustrated by. Do they have do they not have any diplomats? They made a treaty. They made a treaty with Tetelir. As in there's no there's no embassy. There's nowhere that they can he can send a letter to that's like, hey, we need to solve this problem between our two governments. Like somebody get them to help me find my daughter. Yeah. I It's 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 weird that they have essentially no government intergovernment or sorry intergovernmental interactions at, at least that we've seen yeah exactly they they negotiated this treaty and then 20 years ago and then that's all they just have i mean okay so they they talk about how there's you know the idrians allow them some access to their passes so i'm i'm assuming there's some interaction mm-hmm. and we're probably just not seeing it but Still, you would think there'd be more. Right. Because, I mean, he's always sending people clandestinely to recover. And I just keep thinking, send somebody 
out in the open to say, hey, help me, everyone. The princess is missing and we're sure she's here. (laughs) I mean, okay, I can hear the counter to that. That's like, yeah, but then she'd be in a lot of danger because maybe then people would just kidnap her and they would have two princesses now to hold up against Idris. But they already do. (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. Luke, I have I have one more innovation. I know this is going long. I have an innovation for this for Tetelier that I think will drastically change how the whole society is structured. Okay. Okay. So we've learned that when you die, your breath is gone. If you mm-hmm. have a breath and you die, it disappears. I would like to set up a business. And my business is a giant building in the middle of Tetelier where I invite all of the sick people to come. Everybody who's sick or very old, I invite them to come. I give them the best care imaginable with the agreement that if they're about to die, they're going to transfer their breath to somebody. And then I get people who want a breath. You come in, pay a little fee. You can go find a sick person and you can wait until that sick person's dying and say, Hey, come on, give me that breath. You're not going to use it. You're not going to use it. I've been a drab for like five years. Give me that breath. Come on. So essentially you want to be, well, okay. We see a lot of evidence of people selling their breaths. Mm -hmm. You want to, you, you're saying that there's a role for a middleman essentially. There is a source. Every time someone dies and doesn't give up their breath, I see that as an opportunity lost. Right. Loss of efficiency right there. Exactly. So what we can have a win-win scenario where you have sick people. And here's the deal. If you're sick and you get better, you can leave. You're good to go. And we'll care for you. That's the deal that we make when you come in is we'll care for you as best as we can. But if you're dying, you got to give it up. Or just, well, okay. Here's the thing. That sounds like it would work. But let's say this people come in, you know, and they're getting the best they're getting this care. They don't give you, okay, you can either be you give your breath and then you're allowed in mm-hmm. to make sure that you get their breath. Ooh, okay. Or or you have you you know, eventually we'll give your breath away. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Here's, but the problem is, let's say you start this business and, you know, you are you have full intention of running it honorably. The next person gets it and is not a great person. And anytime someone gives their breath away, that person's useless to them. They're out. Ah, Luke, you see, now what you've done here is you've revealed the actual business that I was going to start, which was just accelerating the dying process of people to steal their breaths. So I'm not super excited about this coming out in the open. You know, this is kind of like when Facebook had to testify that they were basically harvesting our souls in order to give us cool memes. I'm not super excited about it coming to light, but I'm going to keep doing it. Okay, fair. And I mean, okay, you you bring a good point that breath should not be going to waste at all. 
Especially now in Idris, I can understand because they see it as their soul. But in Tetelier, it's just a resource that they can sell and buy. So mm -hmm. if I'm dying, imagine, okay, here's the other thing. Imagine I'm a part of a family and grandma's dying. Grandma's going to give somebody her breath, right? Oh, yeah. So those like families that are, have been around for a while, they've got to have a lot of breath stored up. That's true. You yeah. know? Here's the other thing. I imagine breaths have a different, like, during different time periods will have different values. Mm -hmm. mm. Is there a stock market based on breath value? Is there an exchange rate? What's the exchange rate of a breath? Right. Is it standard or no? Are some breaths worth more than others? I don't think so, right? They seem to be just a one-to-one -one kind think of there's, deal. I think there's been talk of some people having like, oh, this person's breath is strong. But I don't think, I don't, I don't know if that matters once it's transferred. Or I don't know if it matters at all. Right. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, Luke. I just think we need we need some way of using these breaths that are going to waste, just getting buried in the ground, you know? <laughs> yeah. Maybe a breath farm. Have a kind of like a kind of like an organ farm. <laughs> oh no. Actually though, you gotta there some of these criminal underlords have gotta have a breath farm, right? Oh yeah. One hundred percent. This is gotta be having some happening somewhere. Also, if I'm a soldier and I'm getting ready to go to war, you know I've got to be dropping off my breath with somebody. There's a good chance I could die. Here, sweetheart, you take my breaths. I, if I don't return, let them be a memory of me. And then when I come back, I say, okay, somebody give me a breath, please. I'm dying over mm -hmm. here. Give me a breath. Not literally dying, because you know then I wouldn't take it, but give me a breath, please. Mm -hmm. And then you go and find a dying person and take their breath. Boom. Efficiency. We just need yeah. a better system. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, I don't know. Maybe we'll maybe we'll learn more about that kind of thing in the next section. I hope so. I mean, if not, there's we're never gonna hear about it because we're gonna finish up the book in the next section. So Yeah, so next week's episode will be we'll have we'll have finished Warbreaker, we'll cover the ending and everything. Um and you know, we'll give our thoughts on the entirety of the book. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to hear what Vasher's plan is. I'm excited to see what Denth's been up to. I'm excited to have my predictions proven right, 100% validated, certified mm -hmm. fresh. As always. And I'm excited for some hot takes. Yeah, yeah, I am too. And I don't know if we've done it as much as normal today, but I'm excited for us to get back to being dumb nerds. <laughs> <laughs>